something this morning, hallelujah. Glory to God. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. God is in the house, so we're glad to be in the house. Thank you, Lord. We are going to lock on to some truths this morning in the name of Jesus. And as we do, there's, we're going to see a great and mighty release. I'm sorry if I hurt your ears by my screaming. I get a little excited. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. But I want to start here. You know, I have a baby granddaughter who's four months old now. And she loves, one of the things that she loves when you're trying to distract her is she absolutely loves a fan, ceiling fan. And um, there's a point to this. She loves ceiling fans. So this morning, uh, as the healed of the Lord, I'm walking her through the church and distracting her. And I am, you know, trying to find every single thing that I can find in the building that might get her attention off of her issue and on to something else. And it reminds me of a scripture that I felt during worship that I want to read to you that goes along with this idea of not letting go and locking on. We need to lock on to God, lock on to his word, lock on to his promises and stay there in the name of Jesus so that we don't allow ourselves to get to that place where we will grow weary or faint. We're in our minds, but we lock on things. So as I had her in the gym this morning and I'm thinking in myself, you know, how am I going to get her? She's looking here and there and there, but not there where I want her to look so she can laugh and smile. So I begin to, and as I do, she's looking for the noise and her eyes lock on. And she sees the fan and begins to smile and coo and all of that. And in Psalm 24, the Bible says this, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Yes, lift them up, you age-abiding doors. Why? Why do we lift our heads? Why do we set our gaze? Why do we give Jesus our focus? Why? That the king of glory, which I believe is what we did this morning, that the king of glory may come in. Who is then this king of glory? He is the Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory, the Lord who is strong and mighty. He is the Lord who is mighty in battle. Hallelujah. So that's what we're doing this morning. We're posturing ourselves in the name of Jesus. According to Psalm 24, verses 8 and 9, we are posturing ourselves in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We bless you, Father, this morning. We thank you for this word this morning, Father. We thank you for unlocking in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. As we set our gaze on you, Father, I thank you today, Lord. I thank you. I've, one of the things that the Lord showed me that will be restored um, in, in your hearts this morning or if you've been struggling with this is I feel like there's one of you or maybe a few of you here or maybe on the internet and, and you would say that, you know, I haven't felt the Lord. I haven't, you know, felt, I, maybe you did at one time, maybe you never have and, or maybe you did at one time and maybe you've gone through circumstances and you would say, Wow, ever since that circumstance that I was in, I haven't been able to cry. I haven't been able, good cries. I haven't been able to express myself at all. I haven't felt the presence of the Lord so, that I so wonderfully and so tenderly felt 
at one time in my life. And I believe today, if we would all agree in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, for that touch of God on our lives today. I tell you, we need encounters with the Lord. We need encounters with his presence. When Moses entered his presence, he was completely changed. Even the hair, his physical countenance was changed. How much more when it literally, biologically, physiologically begins to cause change, how much more our emotions, right, our minds, our thoughts. And so that's what we're doing this morning, Lord. We are locking our thoughts on you. We're setting our gaze on you. We're setting our focus on you. I thank you, Holy Spirit. We give you this service. We open up our hearts. We purpose to do that this morning in the name of Jesus to receive your word. Lord, we give you the freedom and the liberty to go where you want to go, to say what you want to say, to do what you want to do. Lord, this service is yours. I thank you that you speak, Lord, through me, that you think through me. I thank you that you heal and deliver and save, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We declare today is a great day. It's a great day. It's a great day. And we are leaving, Lord, this place so differently, so, so differently, so much different, Lord, than what we came. In the name of Jesus, that's where we set our faith. That's where we set our hope. That's where we set our expectancy. And just like this amazing example that Pastor will use when he tries to give people a point of contact with healing, he will often use that little scrubbing bubbles commercial, you know, and he'll help them to see, you know, just while you're here, just while you're in the presence of God, just while he might say, I'm laying my hands on you, just while I'm praying for you, those scrubbing bubbles called the glory of God, called the anointing of God that are designed to remove every burden, destroy every yoke of bondage in the name of Jesus so that the only thing, spirit, soul, body, financially, relationally, we, we want it all. Amen? We want it all. We want it all. We want it all. So I have been, over the last few services, bringing about this correlation between our thoughts and our emotions, believing either positive things or negative things, and the emotions that come as a result of believing the bad, negative emotions come. And, and then negative actions would come, you know, negative thoughts and negative actions would come as a result of that. And how that affects us biologically or physiologically. How the, the, the connection between thoughts that would be, if you might allow me to use this term, diseased, that aren't in line with truth, and how over time that disease might find its entrance into our physical body. It might look like uh, depression, oppression. It might look like cancer, uh, you know, high blood pressure, incessant back pain, neck pain, you know, all of the things that a mind that has not been set or locked on or fixed or focused on truth because of maybe something that's been pulling at us to get our attention away, and over time, those thoughts are creating. I read an article 
by Caroline Leaf, who is a cognitive neuroscientist on Wednesday night. It's a, it's a blog, and it's called Thoughts Are Real. I'm just going to take two quick things from it, and this is what she says. She says, thoughts produce bodies, the body's building blocks. Our thoughts, sorry, produce the body's building blocks. Wow. Our thoughts, the thoughts we think, if we think them long enough, actually affect our physical body. Wow. Can I get a wow? Wow. See, what God is doing in these, in these days, in this hour, is he's bringing light. He's bringing understanding. He's bringing revelation because that must always precede restoration. Revelation must precede restoration, right? Mark 4 tells us all about the measure of the word that we receive and we allow it to actually get in us and transform us will have its measure in our bodies, in our finances, in our relationships, and in our lives. The measure we give will be the measure that comes back to us. Amen? She also goes on to say that our thoughts determine what our brain becomes. Wow. So that would kind of show us that there, you know, there aren't, God's not a, been a respecter of people. Some of us, through association or through experience or through generational things, where we have learned or we've set our gates, our thoughts have determined what our brain becomes. Not all, not where we live, not the family we've been born in, our thoughts can rise above our circumstances, scientifically proven. And one of the things she says, she's a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, and she says, science is finally coming to the place where it's catching up with the Word of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't that good? And so this wisdom or this light or this revelation that's being released from the Word of God is to our benefit. It's to our advantage because there's just some of us that don't just believe it because we say it. There's just some of us that need the why. Some of us that need the details behind the details behind the details. And there you go. There's just a few. So you can look her up. She goes on to say this. Our quality of life. Everybody ready? Our quality of life depends on what our brain has become. So we could say that the life that we're living has everything to do with the thoughts that we're thinking. Can we say that? The life that we're living, the quality of the life that we're living has everything to do with the thoughts that we're thinking. Has everything to do with lift up ye, lift up our eyes, or lift up ye heads, O ye gates, however that scripture goes. That the king of glory, when we lift up our heads, we give him our focus, we give him our attention, and he sees that heart, he sees that vacuum, then what does the word say? The king of glory will come in. Who is this Lord? He is the Lord who is mighty. In, he's the Lord who will fight your battles. He is the Lord, the great recompenser, the great vindicator. And all we have to do is 
set our gaze, lift up our heads so that glory can come, so that healing can come, so that freedom can come, so that deliverance can come. She says our quality of life depends on what our brain has become. Now the good news, some of us are like, ah, maybe you're in a pickle this morning and the quality of life is less than what you would like. Well, the good thing is, can we change what we think? Can we change our thoughts? Yes, when we set our gaze or we set our focus on the Lord, when we lock on the Lord, the Bible says Jesus gave us Holy Spirit who is our helper. He will come in and aid us when, we're, when we are having a hard time and, and give us keys and clues as to how to set our gaze, how to fix our focus so that our thoughts are not like what the book of James says, here and there and everywhere because the book of James tells us that when we don't fix or lock on to God or lock on to truth and we allow our minds to go wherever they want, Locking on to God is a discipline. It's not something anyone is born with. It's a discipline. And the enemy banks on distractions. That we would be distracted, but we can train ourselves again and again and again and again and again to lock on to the Lord. And when we lock on, what happens? The king of... The king of... The king of will, maybe, will come in. He will come in. Glory is, you're like, what does that have to do with anything? Glory is everything about God that is good. It is the weightiness or the heaviness of God. It's everything good that you or I could ever think of, dream of, or imagine. That's the glory of God. We set our gaze, we lock on to the Lord, and these things happen in the name of Jesus. So good. Isn't that so good? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 11, so what we're going to do is, you know, we're talking about not letting go, and we're talking about locking on. We're going to look at, you know, what the Bible says about the people of God and how we are to live and we just read that that when our thoughts or our focus is not on God it's not on his truth it's not on his ways then faith is a result of those things and if faith is what brings those things into manifestation then we're in trouble this morning if we're here and we're believing for something in our life to change and faith is what is going to go and get it for us and our thoughts have been elsewhere and our, uh, it, has, it, have, it hasn't been on God or on the word of God and that's where faith is coming from and faith is the servant that's going to go get it, then we need to change some things. Can I get a witness? We need to change some things maybe this morning. But the good news is, is that where revelation is, there is, good, some of you, where revelation is, there is, where revelation is, there is, so if we ever want restoration, something restored, brought back to its original intent and purpose in its goodness, greatness, awesomeness, then we need to seek revelation. Amen? Does that make sense? We need to seek the revelation, the wisdom of God, the truth of God. 
because he is Lord. We said that, right? He's the ruler. He's the awesome God. He's the creator of all things. He has what we need this morning. So we're locking on to truth in him in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the Passion Translation, so we're talking about faith. Hallelujah. Faith is what pleases God. And the Bible says that the just, which is us, say that's me. The just shall live by faith. So the Bible is telling us how we are to live, okay? And Jesus, when he was here, said to a few people, according to your faith or your level of faith, be it done or not done unto you as you would desire, okay? So that's why we're locking on, we're learning what it looks like to lock on to the Word of God. And the Passion's translation in Hebrews chapter 11 in verses 1 to 3 is, is it sounds wonderful, so I'm going to read it. It says this, now faith brings our hopes into reality. Hmm. You have any hopes this morning? Do you have any dreams this morning? It's a result of locking on to God and his word are one. God and his will are one. We're locking on. And when we lock on, glory comes in. And the glory that's changed our body, changed people's bodies, changed people's cells, biologically changed things over time, that glory will restore and make them new again. Make them new. Brand new. God has brand new parts. God's restoration makes things new. Anytime I've heard a testimony of people being transformed, maybe in the area of skin, God doesn't give them, you know, maybe they're 50, and God doesn't give them, well, I'll just give you a, let's just say, let's give you the skin of a 30-year-old. That's better than where you were, huh? No, that's not how God does it. The testimonies I've heard is God will give them the skin of a child. Fresh and brand new. That's how God does it. Exceeding abundantly above and beyond. That's where we're setting our gaze. That's where we're locking on. That's where we're putting our focus. And faith is a result of that. And Hebrews 11 says that faith brings our hopes Hope for your body, hope for your finances, hope for a new home, hope for restoration in a, a marriage, a relationship. It brings our hopes into reality. That faith that comes from the word of God is the foundation of the life of a Christian. The things that we, the Passion Translation says, long for. What are you longing for this morning? I just saw a picture of a Long John Donut. I don't think they make those anymore. I'm on a fast. Maybe that's why I saw that picture. If you go to the market in St. Catharines, it's the only place I know of that sells Long John donuts. My dad was a baker, and one of the donuts we used to make was, were Long John donuts. And we loved them, didn't we, Jenny? <laughs> the things we long for. Faith empowers us to see. So when we set our gaze on God and there is this interaction that's going on, it's like God is taking out of us everything that's bad and depositing inside of it. Oh, right, Carl, you're there too. You know about Long John Donuts. Yes. 
God makes this amazing exchange by removing or washing. That's the power of setting your gaze. It's the power of locking on. The power of the word, the inherent power of the word is to wash, is to cleanse. So there's this exchange. Everything bad for everything good. Everything bad for everything good. Everything bad, what a deal. For everything good. When? When in everyone's life? No. Does Jesus love everyone? Absolutely. But it only comes to those who? To those who will lock on. To those who will set their face. To those who will fix their gaze. The promise to those who set their face on the Lord is shalom. Perfect peace. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Complete and whole. Wow. There's power in this thing called locking on to the word of God and the ways of God. Faith then will, with this exchange, everything bad for everything good, empower us to what? See like God sees. There is this great misnomer in Christianity, and that is, I would call it, we would call it in this house, a lie. That Christianity is hard. And the truth of the matter is, it's only hard when we haven't spent the time to discipline and lock on. It's hard when we don't lock on because the world and everything in the world because of the God of this world is contrary at odds with God. Faith empowers us to see like God sees, to have a heavenly perspective, to make it easy then to walk this walk that the Bible says the just, that's us, say that's me, are called to live the life of faith. It empowers us to see like God, to perceive like God. And then we enter into this thing of faith called rest where the Bible says my yoke is hard. You just have to bear it up. But when the Bible says take up your cross and follow me, it's talking about essentially live in the spirit. Be led by the Lord. Let the word transform you and heal you so that you can easily prefer others before yourself. And when we lock on, essentially what we're doing is we are delighting ourselves in the Lord. Our desires, our thoughts, our passions, our dreams, our plans get all mixed up. And I don't know, God, what was yours and what was mine anymore. It's all one. But I do know one thing. I have the passion and the zeal and the desire for it. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us. That's locking on. Delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give us the desires of our heart. That's discipline. That's relationship. That's intimacy. That's encounter. That's time. That's not a happenstance. He says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you will. And it will be done for you by my Father who's in heaven. Delight yourself in the Lord. When you abide, I visit Pastor Jess's home, but I don't abide there. <laughs> yes, I frequent there probably too much. But that is not my abiding place. I have a different abode. 
faith empowers us to see. The universe was created by God's words. When we lock on and we release everything bad for everything good, now our thoughts are in line with everything that's good and our emotions in are in line with everything that's good and the Bible tells us that now, 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 now this is this place of rest out of the abundance of our heart. What will come out of us is everything that's good. God's word, when God spoke, God created. Out of the good words of his heart, he spoke good things. The Bible says, out of a good man, the good treasure in a good man's heart, good things come forth. But also, out of the evil treasure. Now, don't be sin conscious. Con conscious. Conscious. Don't have a sin conscience. Evil has everything to do with wicked. Words like perversion or wicked, distorted from what? Truth. Out of the evil treasure, living in the world, doing things like they do. Hey, but that's all we knew for a certain amount of time. But once we know, once the light comes, once the light comes, there is this expectation in the heart of the Father because he's such a giver that he wants things to be brought back to this place called order and alignment. And so he says things like the just, my children who have been restored to their rightful place, the way that we live. Sometimes I would say that to my children. That's not how we live. We don't act like that. When they decide to go AWOL in their thinking and then AWOL in their emotion or AWOL, which never happens, used to happen a few times. You're the only one of my children in the front seat. He spoke, hallelujah, and gave birth to all that is seen. He spoke and gave birth to all that is seen. When we set our gaze, something else happens. One of the things that they say about people who walk in an insecurity because they don't know their identity in the Lord is they will often, I don't think I can do it, you know, Now, that's not a style. Maybe it is a style. I don't know. I really shouldn't be doing that, should I? But they'll often say people who look down. Now, I mean, sometimes you're watching your step, so you can never look down. You stub your toe and fall and hurt yourself. But you know what I'm talking about. Often they'll say people who never look up, people who will never look you in the eye when they have a conversation with you. They need some looking up. They need some setting their gates. They need some revelation. They need some light so that restoration of identity can take place. Amen? Some revelation of identity. What does faith do? In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 11, faith does amazing things. And we are the just. Say, I'm the just. And I live by faith. And great things, consequentially, that's a big word, are happening in my life. That just means as a result of. Sometimes Holy Spirit will use big words for, I don't think that was a big word, but sometimes they'll, big words will come out and I'll be like, wow, Lord, that just was certainly you. 
Because big words come out of pastor, but they don't always come out of me. Hebrews 11, 11 says, because of faith, but Holy Spirit is smart. And see, he can even, when we set our gaze, he can even change our vocabulary. Have you ever noticed that? He changes the way you think. He changes the way you speak, which eventually changes the way you live. This is not an even, this is not an even thing that's going on. Like we look out in the world and we somehow think that the guy who rebelled and who the world is, you know, trying to mimic somehow has something on the guy who is all good, always present, all loving, all knowing, who created everything. This is not like even Stephen. This is not like the only time a child of God would ever set their gaze on something that's out there is when their gaze is not here. This walk is enjoyable. This walk is exhilarating. This walk is life-giving. This walk is fun. Is there some work to do? Yes. But we love the work because it's fulfilling, because it's changing people's lives. Hallelujah. Now, you're not going to love every moment of it, but often the reason you don't has something to do with that cross. There's a work that's being worked in you. And we have the choice when that work uh, 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 that's being worked in us, we have the choice to say yes or it's too hard, God. That choice changes, how many of you know, the way I think now, which is going to affect the way I feel, which is going to affect the decisions I make and affect where I'm going. Faith is all about encounter. It's all about intimacy. It's all about trust. Faith is all about at that moment when we're changing things. We talked about that the other night when, when we've been thinking negative things and now we, you know, we've been believing a lie and now we think negative things and we have these negative feelings. Now we're at this crossroad. We are going to either repeat this negative cycle again in our life or we stand at this crossroad where we have the opportunity to set our gaze on God and go away that we maybe have never gone before through the help of the Holy Spirit that comes in that moment of encounter. Or what we will do is what we always do. We will repeat our habits if we don't have encounter with Jesus. If we don't set our gaze on God, we can't do the things of God for very long. You can out of willpower for a while. But if it isn't true, change as a result of gazing and locking on and fixing where we are changed then eventually it becomes a burden and a weight because where there's no revelation there's no where there's no revelation there's no so we look at the areas of our life where christianity is concerned god our relationship with jesus and we ask the lord lord that really has been a burden to me Await to me. Am I carrying a perspective that's not you? Because you said your yoke is and your burden is light. Because of faith, Sarah received power because of lo locking on to God. She laughed 
And she could have re repeated the cycle again, couldn't she? Because it had been a while since she she'd never had a baby. So she's standing at the crossroads, and she, she laughs, and God hears her laugh. And then she's like, okay, we need to do something here because I believe this is Lord. And I, and I believe there's an opportunity for change in my life. So I'm going to set my gaze and lock onto God. Because of faith, Sarah received power. Remember that exchange? Everything bad for everything good. In that moment of encounter, <coughs> to conceive a child when she was long past the age for it because she considered God trustworthy and true to his word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And maybe this morning you've been there and you would say, it's been long, long I've been waiting a long time. Long past, like Sarah would say. I've been waiting a long time. That's why she laughed. She was full of emotions and feelings like it's never happened. Don't mess with me, Lord. You know, sometimes I'll tell Pastor Ian that. He dreams about so many things. And sometimes I'll say to him, you know, he'll be like, didn't you hear what I said? And I'll just say, you know, I, I am like, you tell me something, I'm gone. So don't tell me, don't mess with me if we're not going to do this. You like to think about things and dig through things forever. I'm like, tell me, I'm gone. <laughs> so don't mess with me. So she's having a moment like that. She said, Lord, this has been a long time. Don't mess with me. I don't want to get my hopes up, God. But she said she had to come to the place where she said, in that moment of locking on and saying, wait, what do I know about you? What do I know about you? Is there anything that I've ever seen or heard of that would make me to think that you were a God that would lie and that you wouldn't be faithful to what you're saying. And that moment changes everything. It changes everything. Amen. And so Hebrews chapter 10 tells us not to fling away our confidence in God. Why? Because it carries, the Bible says, great rewards. Great rewards. It's, faith is the ultimate expression of honor to the Lord. But when emotions and circumstances are screaming at us, and sometimes people, and we've heard from the Lord, and we're able to say, Lord, everything around me is screaming at me to tell me that this is not so. But in my knower, deep in my heart, in my knower, I believe it's you. And so come in that moment, Lord, and remove everything and anything from me that would have caused me to believe some way that was contrary to what you're telling me right now. Take it out of me, Lord. I repent of it, God. And fill me, Lord, with this beautiful expectation that you have for my future. I want to think like you. I want to think like you. So it says when we choose not to fling those things away, that there is a great reward as a result of it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Father, this morning. You all good? So hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We bless you, Lord. So what do we do in this area when God calls us the just and he 
tells us how to live and lets us know that we receive then according to the measure of locking on or the measure of faith that comes from his word, the things that he speaks to us. And I read it the other day. It's a very interesting um, because we don't want to fling away or abandon. And that's what God wants to do today is he wants to restore faith, restore relationship, restore emotions, restore bodies, restore minds. And 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 24 to 26, the scripture says this, those that oppose the truth or believe a lie through life experience, through ignorance, okay? Most people are not, you know, dog so determined that they're going to do the opposite of God. Most people are not that way. Most people, it's come as a result of, right, circumstances or the way our family has always believed or things like that. So as Krishna says this, it says, those that oppose the truth must be taught in, in the hope that repentance or change of mind will come and lead them to the truth. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Those, so for here this morning, we would say, I'm looking at my life, and maybe I haven't set my gaze, and I haven't been locked on to the Lord, and I've been experiencing fear, I've been experiencing some worry, I've been experiencing frustration, anger, some negative emotions, which is an indication that maybe I have been believing some lies, right? And so now I'm feeling this negative emotion, right? And I don't want to act on this negative emotion anymore. And so that would be an opposition to the truth. Now, no more, no sin consciousness. We want revelation. We want light so we can get this, so we can change, so we can move on to the bigger things. The scripture exhorts us in the book of Hebrews, let's move off of these foundational things, these fundamental things about how to think and how to feel you know, I mean, that's something that we live with forever. But they are essentially fundamental, you know, foundational or fundamental, right? We, we can change what we believe through the power of the word of God. Why? Because if we live an unrestrained life of negative emotion, are we ever going to accomplish our destiny in God? Are we ever going to accomplish our destiny in God full of doubt and unbelief? Is that possible? If it takes faith to please God and faith to move the obstacles that the enemy will throw in our path, and we're no match against the enemy, the word of God is what defeats the enemy. Hallelujah. Am I zero? I'm zero, zero, zero? Was there ever a time up there? Holy Lord, Jesus. How past zero, zero, zero am I? Can someone put the time up there for me, please? Okay, we're going to pray. Yay, I'm like in a groove. I am all about this changing my thought thing. I am all about, wow, Lord, you've given us the power to change what we believe. What a gift. Now I don't have to say, you know, that's my lot in life and be stuck there forever. Okay, so let me finish this, okay? Whoo, we're going to pray. Hallelujah. Pastor Liz, I welcome you to the altar. So we need the truth. Say, I need the truth. Say, I want the truth. Say, the truth is my only escape. It's my only way out. Second Timothy says that 
when we have things in us that are contrary to God, we need the instruction of the Word of God so that it will build hope in us and lead us to a place where we're willing to change what we believe. Where we're not so stuck on what we believe and we think it's right when it's actually wrong. The Bible says, be careful that the light that's in you isn't darkness. Sometimes we feel what we believe is true when it's not true. And the Bible tells us to be careful that what we're believing is, is not a lie when we think it's the truth. How do we do that? The instruction of the word. We let it wash us. We set our gaze. We lock on to the Lord. We allow him to make that exchange inside of us. Good for bad, right for wrong, right? We allow him to do that. It says this, and then, say then, they will come to their senses. Come to our senses. You know, parents, you're glad when you your child finally comes to their senses. They pack their bags and they're moving out and now they're at the dinner table. Hallelujah! They came to their senses. Their stomach was louder than their anger. I don't think that's ever happened to us. Anybody pack their bags leaving? Hallelujah. Thank goodness. Considering I did it a few times when I was young. Thank you, Lord. The generate, breaking generational curses do work. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Okay, leading them to the knowledge of the truth so that they can come to their senses and, listen to this, escape from the trap of the devil. We need to lock on because what we don't realize is that we are actually being trapped by the enemy. And we are captive then to do not what we want. You're not doing what you want. You think you're doing what you want? There's no such thing as an original thought. Every thought comes from God. And the enemy perverts thoughts, and then we think one or the other. Hello? There's no such thing. The enemy's not a creator. He doesn't create anything. What you think and what I think every day comes from either God, the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of darkness. We don't have our own thoughts. I mean, they're formed and fashioned by the God of heaven, right? The King of kings and Lord of lords, or the, oh, you know, the book of, I don't know if it's Ezekiel, that says, you're the one. It's like, you know, the Wizard of Oz, when they pull back the thing, and they're like, you're the wizard? Oh my gosh, you're this tiny little man, and you're full of fear. And the, and the, and the Bible tells us that we're going to say that about him. You're the one? who brought down nations. You're the one who brought so much fear. You're the one. You're the one who people followed. You're the one. You're a joke. Jesus defeated you. Be careful what you're thinking. Be careful who's become Lord. Be careful that we're not so steeped in the things of this world that we don't remember anymore. And now what we're actually doing, 2 Timothy tells us, is we're doing what he wants us to do. We're not doing what God wants us to, to do at all. But deception, which he freely allows us, is this opportunity to think we're thinking our own thoughts, we're self-made people, and we're doing our own thing. Sorry, I'm closing. Hallelujah. We're not doing that. We're coming to our senses and escaping the trap of the, the enemy who has held us captive to do his will. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3 says, How will we escape? How will we escape if we neglect 
That word neglect means abandon. How will we escape if we neglect or abandon God and his ways? How will we escape the clutches of, John 10.10 10 says, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I don't want any of that in my life. You want that? I don't want that. If I think like him and feel like him and act like him, I'm going to get his results. So I'm going to lock on to you, God. I'm going to lock on in these areas when you ask me to do something, I'm so bugged. Or you ask me to do something, I'm so afraid. I'm going to lock on. And I'm going to let you come in. I'm going to allow you to make that exchange. All that you are for all that I am. All that's bad for all that's good. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. How will we escape? if we abandon salvation. We are called to not live by our senses, but to train our senses through constant practice to distinguish right from wrong. Jesus is our helper. He is working with us to confirm his word. So when we feel like we need an escape, the Bible says he is our escape. He will show us a way out. Oh, we love you, Lord. Let's just lift our hands. We were going to talk about the woman in Jairus. Oh, we were going to talk about so many more great things, Lord. But you are our helper. You are the great I am. You are the mighty God. We're setting our gaze, Lord. We're not looking down. We're looking up. We are those children of God who've been called to walk in dominion and be fruitful and multiply to walk in authority and revelation and light oh we love you father with everything that's in us and we purpose today jesus there's nowhere we'd rather be Father, this morning for feeling that your ways are hard. We repent for running in fear instead of coming to you, Lord, and allowing you to heal that fear, to take that fear, to remove it, Lord, and move right along with the plan. And so, Father, that's what we're here to do this morning, Lord, moving right along. 
just give it to him. I don't know what the negative emotions are. I don't know what the thoughts are, but he's here this morning. It starts with saying, God, sorry for thinking something that's not in your word. And I'm giving it to you. That nasty feeling, that feeling of fear, that feeling of, I don't want to. That feeling of, I'm afraid. We give it to you, Lord, and we ask, Lord, would you feel Ask him to fill. 